Hello, and welcome to The Growth-Minded Marriage. My name's Kevin, and I'm joined by my wife, Mary. We are a uniquely ordinary Midwest couple pursuing what it means to live our values out loud, release expectations, and dedicate ourselves to growth and the pursuit of our most authentic selves together. We just finished recording our episode with Carrie Gray, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. This conversation is the second half of a two-part series, so if you've not listened to the previous episode where Kevin and I describe our beginning of parenting and the struggles that we're having now, might want to listen to that first just to understand the headspace that Kevin and I were approaching our conversation with Carrie. Carrie is a gracious soul who accepted my request when I called her out of the blue. I had found Carrie really through a chain of events that started by asking my personal therapist if she knew anyone who was into conscious parenting and to spreading the message of conscious parenting. So a hop, skip, and a jump led me to Carrie, and she really enthusiastically, first of all, listened to me and then agreed to be on this podcast, which is such a leap of faith, and I just really want to point out that that really speaks to her character. Carrie has spent a large portion of her career working in conjunction with a nonprofit agency a few towns over called Lee's Summit Cares. And Lee Summit Cares is a coalition that brings together other organizations in the greater Kansas City area to give its citizens more access to the education and support they need to be productive and happy. And through that organization, Carrie has worn a number of hats. Most recently, she's working with suicide prevention in teens and mental health awareness in teens. But she's also done things like bringing anti-bullying education to schools. And then she's been doing these parenting classes for, I believe she said, 21 years. You'll hear her describe a little of how the parenting classes are structured and what led her to them. She teaches a curricula called Love and Logic. And when I first spoke to Carrie, I had never heard of Love and Logic before, but Love and Logic is a parenting curriculum developed by psychologists that uses larger principles of positive parenting and conscious parenting, but creates more specific strategies that focus on simple, practical, and easy-to-learn techniques. It puts a heavy emphasis on respect and dignity for children and allowing them to make mistakes and then empowering them to learn from their mistakes, which really encompasses what Kevin and I are trying to do. And if you feel like that aligns with what you're also trying to do, Lisa McCares, through the coronavirus pandemic, has transitioned a lot of this education online, which has made it accessible to everyone. You do not have to be a citizen of Lee Summit or even in the Kansas City area to access this. It's now available and largely free. We're going to put all the information in the show notes, and I'll have it all detailed there. Carrie also mentions that there's scholarships available for the paid programming. So truly, this information is out there. It's what Kevin and I have been searching for. And if you've been looking for help or guidance or community that says, yes, me too, we hope that this episode serves as that for you and also gives you some next steps to find the help that truly we all deserve. Yeah, I feel like it was a really empowering conversation. And I just feel like, you know, we're still going to struggle with a lot of these things right now just because of the environment that we're in. And we might backslide and we might have a hard time being consistent. But what I'm 
kind of left with most optimistically is this foundation that I feel like we have the opportunity to set as a result of the pandemic environment that we're in. I believe we're going to walk away from this current situation so much stronger and more capable and just thrive as a family as a result of embracing this style of parenting. Yeah, that that sounds really comforting to me because in the interview, I was really looking for Carrie to tell me, I think we're doing it right. And I just really found myself not receiving the type of validation that I think I was hoping to hear. And her final few words were that likely what most parents and most kids need right now is just compassion, which I realized was what I was searching to hear and that we are trying a lot of different things. We are going through a really difficult time parenting during the pandemic and I'm so hopeful that this is the strong foundation that we are going to be thanking ourselves for laying for the years to come. But I realize that the piece that's missing most for myself and probably for the way I parent right now is just compassion, which sounds, I don't know, how does it sound? Compassionate? (laughs) Uh, It sounds maybe too simple or sounds like not what I want the answer to be, but I know that's all that remains is that we just have to keep going and that I just need to offer more compassion to myself and more compassion to our kids. And that may be your husband. <laughs> so I hope you get whatever you need from this episode. We talk about a number of different things and a number of different ideas. Again, Kevin and I have three small children, six, five, and three. And we hope that if your parents are not parents, that you hear that the overwhelming message of this is just to be compassionate to yourself. So if you're ready, let's grow. Because of my background as a a licensed marriage and family therapist, they looked upon me to do some work when we identified that there were not a lot of just simply educational resources out there for parents. And so I was asked to go ahead and do some research and start facilitating parenting classes in the community, which I've been doing for about 21 years now. And the class that I teach uh, in terms of curriculum is the Parenting with Love and Logic program. So that one comes in a lot of different formats. I teach the classes online, and certainly people could sign up for a Love and Logic class by going to the Lee Summit Cares website. And now uh, we are offering scholarships for those classes to anyone who has been impacted negatively by COVID, Hmm. which let's face it, we've all been impacted negatively by COVID. It is an opportunity to get on board and You know, positive parenting, conscious parenting, parenting with love and logic. My philosophy is that there's no one parenting program that's going to work 100% of the time on all kids. Uh, When I, you know, I'm teaching the parenting classes, it's probably best to describe it in terms of what people are looking for when they come to the classes. And so I provide a variety of different classes depending 
on the age of the child because as we parent our children, their needs change over time. And so a lot of the parents that I work with are being proactive, just like they, just like what you said, you know, they're really invested in you know, doing the best they can as a parent. They're realizing now that they have a child at home that it's not as easy as it looks like in the brochures. You know, our kids don't come with program manuals or how-to guides, and parenting is incredibly hard. And so people come to get, you know, information and tools, reassurance, and oftentimes they'll also come if they're just feeling stuck, you know, Oftentimes I, I'll ask parents on our first, you know, evening of class, you know, what, what would you like to get out of this program? Your time is valuable. Um, how can I best assist you? And a lot of what parents will say frequently is I'm tired of yelling at my kids. I want to have a good relationship with my kids. I want to do things differently, perhaps than how I was raised, or I'm just feeling overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. And so part of it is prevention, but then part of it is an intervention in providing new ideas. And sometimes I work with parents in conjunction with them seeking individual therapy. And so it's, it's really a neat opportunity to meet parents where they are and to identify what they need in order to get some help in this major challenge, but exciting challenge of raising kids. Well, we feel like we've walked into a classroom and raised our hand and said those very exact things, along with a number of other things. So we are so grateful that we found you because, yes, I was looking for these resources just like it sounds like the people who you help. And there just aren't a lot of classes. There aren't a lot of it doesn't seem a lot of resources out there that are easy to find for the general public. One of the most powerful thing about the classes is getting a group of people together to share their stories and realize, oh my gosh, my kids do that. My kids do that. My kids were the only ones who did that. Maybe I'm not losing my mind. You know, parenting is hard. And just knowing, you know, you're not alone can be quite empowering. Yes. Yes. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to have this discussion was because we were like, is this right? Like, we can't be the only ones who are trying this hard and still, you know, not seeing maybe the results we're hoping for. Before we go any further, just listening to you, I just have to say thank you for what you do. Like what you're doing is just so vital and valuable and important. And I'm just so grateful that you're out there doing these things. Well, you're very welcome. I wake up every morning, you know, ready to go. And it's very, it's a wonderful place to be. And I appreciate your kind words. Hypothetically. So you're in a situation where you don't want to yell at your children and you feel frustrated and kind of overwhelmed by the situation. As you mentioned, what do you recommend people do? Well, you know, I think first off, just recognizing that parenting kids, raising kids isn't what you see on social media. Um, there's no such thing as the perfect family. And, you know, when people post pictures of adventures, accomplishments, and things like that, it's easy 
for a person to start comparing themselves to what appears to be, wow, what a perfect family. I bet their kids don't fight. You know, I bet the parents aren't raising their voices. I wish I could be that parent. Well, the first reality is there's no such thing as that parent. Everyone gets angry and frustrated. Every child's job is to experiment with different behaviors, Mm. you know, just to see how the world works. And so one of the things that has helped me is focusing on something that we refer to as conscious parenting. Some of your listeners may be very much aware of mindfulness practices, which really is the part of it is the practice of being self-aware, you know, allowing oneself to experience whatever one is feeling or thinking without putting a label on it or without putting judgment on it. And the reason why I bring it up is because when we're parenting our kids, it's important that we recognized first that the only person in the whole world that I can control, so as long as I've had a few cups of coffee, I am going to put that in there, is myself. And so parenting starts with the parent being self-aware, you know, knowing what are those behaviors that have a tendency to trigger me? Is it when my kids, you know, rolling their eyeballs? Is it when they're whining? Uh, Is it when I've asked him or her to do something and they're simply not listening to me? And so first, I need to be aware of how that's making me feel on the inside. And chances are, I'm experiencing some anger, perhaps some frustration, and we need to be able to catch that because when we respond to our children with a raised voice or an intense expression, if you will, or harsh words, what happens is it sets off what is referred to as a stress response. And so you've probably heard, you know, the comments fight flight, freeze. And this is our body, our brain's natural way of protecting ourselves. And so let's say that a child is experimenting with misbehavior, and maybe the misbehavior is not listening to you. So you've asked them nicely and calmly what you'd like to see happen, and they're not doing it. And so the frustration is likely to grow. Now, if we respond to the child with, how many times do I have to tell you, you need to listen to me, I mean it, can't, you know, those types of things, often the fight, flight, freeze behaviors we will see might be a child having a tantrum or fighting back saying no. Or uh, when a child is feeling threatened, they might flight which would be kind of running away and hiding from you, which only makes the parent even more frustrated. And we oftentimes have kids who will freeze, who will just melt down. So the key is being self-aware and being able to self-regulate your emotions as a parent first. Then by being able to do that and noticing when this is happening, that helps us to hit what I refer to as the pause button, which gives us some space to decide, okay, 
how do I want to remain in control myself and calmly respond to the situation? Because what I'm doing is only escalating the problem. So that's where I start is that self-awareness, recognizing that if we want to change a child's behavior, that change starts with ourselves. We are so on board with that. We we feel like we're really trying, like we're really doing just kind of what you're saying. And then we get to that point of the pause button. I'd love to hear you say more about that point. So we have stayed calm. We've recognized our own emotions. We realize nothing good can happen at the emotional state that we're at. So we, we say pause. And then what do we do? Let's say the situation is what, Kevin? What's something that is keeping our kids in bed at night, maybe? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so we're at the pause button. The issue is we need sleep because we need restorative sleep in order to maintain our sanity and to stay healthy, right? Those are a few of the reasons. So I usually look at three things when I'm deciding, when I'm in my pause area and choosing how do I want to respond to this? One of the questions that we might ask ourselves is, what is driving this behavior? You know, why is the child behaving this way? Um, If we look at our day, have we had a really hurried day? Have we not had adequate time just to spend together, to read books, to cuddle, to wrestle, to do those family things that we want to do? So is it that there's a need for connection that hasn't been met that we need to take care of? And there's other needs, but we need to think about what is driving this child's behavior. Another thing to consider is kids, as I mentioned earlier, I like to talk to uh, parents and I present their children as little scientists. And I often ask, what is the job of a scientist? It is to experiment. And so their job is to experiment with behaviors, to experiment with relationships to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. And so instead of getting, you know, angry and frustrated and thinking, oh my gosh, I have this deviant child. What's wrong with me? Why can't I parent this kid? The kid's really just doing their job. And your job is to stay calm and we'll get to and then decide how am I going to respond. And so in a situation with regards to bedtime, so let's say, We've had a good day. The kid's stomach's stomach's full, all right? Uh, They're definitely tired. We're pretty active, so they should be winding down. We've paid a lot of attention to them, a lot of good quality time there. And now the kid's just wanting to stay up because, let's face it, we're amazing and we are fun to be around and can't wait, uh, you know, till tomorrow. So what I recommend doing is, first of all, Obviously, our kids have to have a bedtime. Uh, it's important that for them to understand that they have a bedtime, but also we as parents need to have adult time, which is our time to rest and restore. And we cannot let their behavior interfere with that. So some of the things that have helped some parents and certainly me as my kids were, you know, growing up was to have a specific routine at bedtime where we are literally winding down the house 
and we need to allow ourselves plenty of time. Oftentimes, families get caught up in the hustle and bustle of daily living, look at the clock, and oh, bedtime's in 10 minutes, and we're hurry, hurry, hurry to get it done, get them in bed, and that only creates more problems for us, that fight-flight response, if you will. And so have a routine that calms down the house that's predictable. Then within the context of that routine, provide your child with lots of choices because kids, just like adults, like to feel they have a sense of control over their environment, that they get to make choices. And so choices might include, uh, which pajamas do you want to wear tonight? You know, these pajamas or those pajamas? Uh, would you like to have a bath or would a shower be better? Would you like your covers on, covers off, lights on, lights off? You know, those types of things. Making sure you work in the things that need to happen. Like you want to go to the bathroom downstairs or upstairs. Now I'm being I'm giving a lot of choices here just to provide with a lot of examples of how this might work. You don't have to give a choice about everything. We just find that when kids have a routine and they get to have some control over that routine, that when we get to the point where we say, okay, it's nighttime, time to go to bed, feel free to fall asleep as soon as your eyes get tired then kids are more apt to comply and do what we need them to do. Now, here's the tricky part. They might test us. And so when they do, it's important that we, you know, take that breath or do whatever we need to do to remain calm and gently go back to the kid and say, it's grown up time. Feel free to close your eyes and fall asleep as soon as you are tired. You're welcome to be awake as long as you stay in your bed. Now, our kids uh, can learn to stay in their own space and quietly look at a book. Mine had an Etch-A-Sketch that they would use, and I had a three- and a four-year-old in the same room. Mm. And I would say, all right, we love you guys. Feel free to mess with this. It doesn't have any batteries. It's not a device. But you can play with your Etch-A-Sketches until you're ready to fall asleep, then set them down, and we'll see you in the morning. That's a great idea. Yeah, so that's a that's a suggestion, but it takes that patience and re-guiding yeah. them back as needed. Yeah, um, our kids are just really testing us that we just we um, we start introducing mind, body, soul, mama time to make sure that everyone got their needs met emotionally during the day. And they'll be kind of acting difficult at, at night. And I'll be like, OK, did we not get enough mind, body, soul, mama time? And they'll all be like, yeah, that's why we're not falling asleep. And so they're you know, you feel like, man, I am really trying here and you are almost using it against me. Like, you know, you're, you're staying up later now because you know, you can get this mind, body, soul, mama. So I just, it, it just feels like we're really trying, like, we're really, we, you know, we have the routine and stuff. And I, and I'm wondering if we're just up against the wall of like, it's just hard. Like it's, this is normal. Like it, it's not going to work every night. And there, maybe we're in a really hard season. And, and I'm just wondering if that could just be it. You know, it could be. It, it can be that, you know, bedtime is hard and it takes a while for kids to fall into routines and it takes, you know, a lot of consistency. And, and let's face it, folks, parents can do all the right things 
uh, but still have kids that test and and even make poor choices. So Mm -hmm. we do need to keep that in mind as a parent that parenting is hard and we don't always get the outcome that we're looking for. And how do we then step back and see what might we change? What could I do just a little bit differently that might have the impact that I'm looking for? Because if we always do what we always did, right, we always get what we always got. And it's not necessarily that simple. But my point would be, if they know that, you know, saying we want more, and I I don't recall the phrase, but, you know, basically more time to have our needs met as a way of extending bedtime. And you parent know that you've done all those things, that this is probably just more of a ploy to stay up later, what you could do is smile and say, I love you too much to argue, and I'll see you in the morning. Oh, I'm writing that down. I've not used that one yet. (laughs) Yep. I love you too much to argue, and I'll see you in the morning. Yes. I'm going to try that. I, I'm I'm really willing to try anything. And um, then someone recently, I was kind of describing some of this, and they're like, you're trying too hard. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's confusing, too. But, you know, sometimes we will get to the point of just overwhelming emotion, frustration, you know, five hours have gone well, and we're at the ninth hour at bedtime. And we just are like, okay, this isn't going to work tonight. And Kevin and I will just walk downstairs and they'll just be kind of chaos upstairs for a couple hours. And it's just, it's just like, I don't know, is that, is that allowed? Or is that like, you know, some days you just do that or, or when we're at that level of overwhelm, is it okay? Just throw your hands up. Well, you know, I think that when you get to a point where you're just on the verge of maybe saying something that you don't want to say, you know, your frustration level is so high that it's just not working. There is nothing wrong with taking a break, you know, just like you would if you're working at a project at work or around the house and you're just frustrated Mm -hmm. and it's not working, staying within that situation and that mindset isn't going to help. And so probably what I would suggest in that situation would be, yeah, to go ahead and step away until you're able to be in a calmer space, uh, then regroup and come back. Yeah. And one of the things that has helped some of the parents that I've worked with, and you can use this suggestion really with a lot of different behaviors. You know, we say to our children, it really drains my energy when you you know, keep getting out of bed or you're keeping your brother or sister up at night, you fill in the blank with whatever it is. All right. It really drains my energy when you fill in the blank. And then we can say we can have like a a logical consequence. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, say the next day you're planning to take a trip to the park or do something that the kids wanted. Um, While we really hesitate to take away from time in the great outdoors, because we know that's good for our mental health and our physical health, um, we find that if we even one or two times say, you know what, because of how you kept, you know, daddy and I up all night, we lost our energy and I'm afraid we're not going to be able to go to the park today. 
And so instead of going to the park, uh, you know, depending on the age of the kids, they can be in their separate spaces, just really entertaining themselves while mom and dad go to a different space and read a book or do something that helps to replace your energy, if you will. And your kids are not going to like this, right? You know, sometimes when we're setting limits on our children's behavior, it might feel like we're doing the wrong thing, that we're only making things worse. But the reality is if we can calmly stick with it, we start to see behavior change over time. Mm -hmm. And so the next night, you know, the, the night that they didn't get to go to the park, now we're going through the routine again, we're giving choices. Uh, we might say, oh, I hope I have enough energy, you know, right tonight in order to, you know, do that fun thing tomorrow. I believe in you. Good luck. Good night. And we're out of there. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean to be a broken record, but we keep coming up. My husband and I are giving us eyes across the microphone because we talk about our body batteries constantly. Like we've been trying that for probably six months. And I think I'm not sure if we're missing something or again, I'm just unwilling to accept how hard it is and how even though we're trying and it looks like we're implementing all these things, if you came to our house at certain times, you'd be like, whoa, these people are just totally out of control. And it, it feels like for a large portion of the day, we are not out of control. And then those out of control moments still happen. Um, so I guess I'm just maybe unwilling to accept that the answer is you have small children and it's quite hard. Well, you know, it, it is hard. And, you know, as a parent, you know, we like to be in control and it's important for us to have control, right? Uh, at the same time, our kids need to have some control as well. And a perfect situation sometimes looks a little bit out of control and that's okay. It's okay to have those moments where things are just a little bit chaotic mm -hmm. and know that we're still good parents and our kids are good kids and they're going to grow up to be respectful, responsible contributors to society in spite of the fact that they're jumping up and down on their beds and not really paying attention right now. Yeah, that's that's the long the long vision that I guess as a conscious parent, we just have to accept that this must be the right thing. This language we're using with our kids, the emotional intelligence we're using for ourselves and for them, it's got to ultimately work. It just might not look like it's working right now. And that's that's it working. <laughs> That's how it looks like. There you go. I have one other scenario that I just, as long as you're giving us all this great information to play <laughs> off of, I think for us, the biggest struggle really uh, comes down to the interdynamic between our three kids. I think individually, they're all on board 100%. Mm -hmm. And then I think sometimes the struggle happens is when they can play off each other or like, coax a sibling to dare to make that first negative move almost like it's just like the psychological game that they play with each other and i would say for for me that's the the biggest hurdle is i can try to do everything right but i've got one child actively working against us uh you know certainly you know my four children to this day and three of them are already in their 20s they know how to 
press each other's buttons and stir up things just like they did when they were little. Each of our children is unique. You know, what works with one may not be effective with the other. And oftentimes, as you mentioned, there's an instigator in the crowd. And so, you know, if we work on them to get that one, I would say, on our side or to address that behavior, especially when it's not happening, Mm. okay? And so addressing the behavior not in the moment when we're experiencing heightened levels of stress and frustration, but to address it when we're in a good mood, when we're doing something fun as a family, to talk about how can you be a part of the solution at bedtime or whatever that specific problem is that you need them to get on board with. Mm, That's a great suggestion because, um, yes, I think we could see individually all three of our kids really, I mean, they love to be validated. They love to feel special and feel like they're helping mommy and daddy do this bigger thing. So, yeah, we've not tried that. We can totally try that. The other part of that, you know, you mentioned the word validation and our kids and all of us as humans, you know, we want validation. We want love. um, We want to be noticed. and so. Oftentimes, when our kids get caught up in, we'll just call it a negative behavioral loop, where they're just kind of doing the same thing over and things don't stop, we tend to focus on the negative and talking about that behavior. What I suggest is focusing more on the behavior that you want to see, and when you see that behavior, noticing it hey, I really appreciated it when you, you know, and you can fill in the blank with that. You know, when you went right to sleep, it's it helped the rest of the family to go to sleep. Give me a hug. Give me a high five. I love you so much. But noticing and intentionally looking for things that each child does correctly mm. or, the, or praising them for the behavior that you would like to see, the values and motion, the character traits you want to see is far more empowering than focusing on the things that they're not doing right. Kind of like saying, well, can't you just go to sleep? Can't you see that I'm just exhausted? You know, why are you always creating problems? All right. So it's kind of a mind shift, if you will. Yes. And is that the essential definition of positive parenting, um, raising them up into the positive before the negative even happens? You know, for me, positive parenting is number one, focused on the relationship that you have with your child. You know, the relationship is a key component to parenting. Our kids knowing that we love them no matter what, whether they're experimenting with a positive behavior that we're noticing or they're experimenting with maybe pushing a limit on an expectation that we've set. Our kids need to know that we love them. The relationship is the critical piece. uh, And because we love them, we will follow through with love and firm limits or boundaries or consequences in order to help them develop into We'll call it self-confident, respectful, responsible children. (sighs) Well, I'm half feeling better and half feeling like there's more work to do for the rest of our lives. It will never end. (laughs) I think it just sounds super empowering, though. I think I'll speak for Mary and probably a lot of people during this pandemic is just it's just so hard 
um, to not feel like defeated by everything, but everything that you've spoken about, it just, it's all comes back to you and it, it's just such an empowering feeling. So thank you for sharing all this. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess one comment that I'd like to make is that we are not our best selves right now. All right. With young children and not getting good sleep, that that even makes life even more stressful. But as you know, you know, the pandemic has impacted how we live, how we work, how we socialize. Every aspect of our lives has been impacted. And so then you put the challenges of raising kids on top of that, and it really multiplies the impact. So one thing that I want parents to be aware of, and it's something, as you said, parenting is an ongoing process of growth, right? To keep in mind the importance of compassion and grace, giving yourself permission to not be perfect, to not have all the answers, to have a bad day and to start over the next day with the sense that, you know, I got this. Here we go. Tomorrow is another day. Compassion and grace are critical. And it's okay uh, for mom and dad to get angry or frustrated. You know, all feelings are valid. And so it's just identifying what is causing me to feel this way. And, you know, usually when we're angry or frustrated, it's telling us something about a value that's very important to us, like getting a good night's sleep. And so just recognizing that you are a human, as you said, and giving yourself some compassion and grace and patience as we go through this, but also as things start to return to our new type of normal. I think as parents, we live in a culture and a society where we tend to hold ourselves to very unrealistic expectations, which only creates more stress and and potentially unhappiness. And so compassion and grace is where it's at. It starts first by giving it to ourselves, and then we're able to then share that with those around us. Thank you, Carrie, for saying that. That's that's I think what I needed to hear. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I I know the importance of self compassion in my own life, and I was kind of sensing that this parenting journey, the struggle that we're currently on, is probably largely just um, the world, the universe telling me I need to have more compassion for myself and then be able to give that to my kids as well. So, I think that's probably why I was led to you to to have you say that to me. So, thank you. You're welcome. Um, Kevin, anything else we want to throw at Carrie? Um, I'm sure that there is. I'm confident we're going to think about 15 to 20 <laughs> things the second we let you go, Carrie. Well, we're having a couple good days streak with the kids because, of course, everything is is ups and downs. And currently, our kids, you know, they're just more joyful. They're happier. We're happier. And so things seem not as bad. But last week, we were like, oh, no, this is really, really, really hard. So... All right. Well, we've got some new, I'm going to institute the, I love you too much to argue. And I'm, I can't wait to say it to them because I love having calm statements to say to the kids. It makes me feel in control and less likely to yell. So, so thank you for that. Maybe you can use that one on me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing is these techniques are just part of interpersonal relationships as well. 
And remember this comment, when I'm angry, I will whisper. So lowering your voice an octave is a wonderful way to settle your own central nervous system, as well as to get your kids to perk up their ears and listen to what you have to say. Oh, I heard that once before, but I don't know that I've ever instituted it. I'm going to, I'm writing that down as well. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for your, for your help and information and your passion. And and thank you so much for your wisdom and for sharing it with us today. It was just so enriching. Well, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity and a willingness for people to listen. 